Welcome to Pastor Talk, presented by Grace View Baptist Church in Burleson, Texas. Well, here we are. It's Pastor Talk once again, and we are rolling. This is uh, Monday, December 20th. It's 9 o'clock, and Christmas is just a few days away. Now, I know by December 20th, you've bought all your gifts. You're just sitting at home, sipping coffee, just chilling, enjoying the life right now. Um, you're not scrambling around. You're not, you know, looking at the last minute things that you have to do. You are just sitting and enjoying your life today. Well, at least that's what I hope you are. So you can take the time to watch Pastor Talk today, because today we I've joined with from two for, with two friends, uh, Andrew Abear and Michael Cooper. Uh, we are all Criswell grads. We uh, kind of got to know each other there, um, and they both are pastors. And we are going to be talking about uh, the incarnation and why it's important to local church, and specifically to preaching today. And so uh, we thought this would be a good topic around Christmas time to to jump into. And so guys, thanks for uh thanks for joining me today. Aaron, great to be here. Hey, good to be here too. All right. So why don't you uh introduce yourselves to uh to the to the audience, uh the the three people that are probably watching right now. They're still logging on. But uh Andrew, why don't you uh, go first? Yeah, I'm Andrew Abear, and uh, the most important thing you can know about me is that I love Jesus. I've been following him since I was 12 years old, and uh, uh, yeah, he is my life. Um, I'm privileged to be married to my wife, Amy. We've been married almost 15 years. Uh, we've got four children, three girls, one boy, uh, ages 13 all the way down to six, and I'm a pastor, so I'm, I'm pastoring uh, Paramount Baptist Church in Amarillo, Texas. I've been here just over five years. Awesome. Michael. Yeah, uh, Michael Cooper. Uh, I am uh, the pastor of Grace Community Church. Uh, we're roughly about an hour southeast of Dallas uh, in the in the, the rural area, uh, getting close to uh, the Piney Woods uh, area, if you're familiar with that. Uh, but uh, my wife and I, we've been married uh, next year for 10 years. Wow. And uh, we have uh, two little girls, Sophia Grace, who just turned eight, and Lydia Joy, uh, who is our bundle of energy. She's four years old. And uh, I've, been, I've been at Grace uh, going now on nine years. Uh, so that's, uh, that's where I'm at and currently serving. Awesome. Awesome. And you well, must have started when you were 13. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, out of the three of us, Michael definitely uh, wins the beard award for uh, for today. That thing is looking glorious, by the way. I told him, I said, you look like the redneck Spurgeon sitting there right now. And it is. He's looking good. And you know what? Now, I, 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 I take that as a compliment. I, I call myself a missionary to rednecks, so it. I'll take that. Well, there so. you go. There you go. So, so we're all um, in different contexts. Um, Andrew, you're up in, uh, in, the, in the big city of Amarillo where uh, the wind just blows through all the time. Michael, you're in a rural context, and I'm in a suburban context. Um, we're outside of Fort Worth. Uh, we, we're mostly a commuter, commu uh, commuter community there in Burleson. And so each one of us kind of have different contexts that our churches are uh, working in. Uh, we each have different size churches. Um, Andrew is a, is a large church. Michael, you're a, you're a medium-sized church. We're kind of on the medium to, to large-sized church. And so we're all just kind of in different contexts um, when it comes to size, when it comes to location, um, type of people we're reaching. Um, but the beauty of the church is that God's word is sufficient no matter where he plants us. 
And so that is why we can sit down and we can talk about preaching and we can come from different contexts um, and be able to land in the same place because of the convictions that we have about the Word of God. And so today, what I want us to just kind of talk through is um, how do you think about preaching? What is the goal of preaching? Let's start there, um, so that when your audience comes in, sits down, opens your Bibles, and opens their Bibles, and you say, "Turn to wherever you're at in in Scripture," what is the goal of your preaching? So when they walk away that day, they land in a certain spot. So Michael, what when you think about preaching, what is the goal that you have for grace? Um, that when people walk out that day, they know X, or they've experienced X, or they've seen X. What is that? Yeah, so for me, it's a uh, really it's a the the goal is motivated by by a theology of of understanding what what preaching is. Um, I, I would I would say something to the effect of preaching is uh, God speaking from His Word through a human, and so um, really the end goal for uh, for me and and my preaching is. Uh, laying open uh, the inspired word and allowing God to communicate. The best way that, that I know how to do that is representing uh, the text and, uh, and then applying uh, that, that text. There's a lot of nuances and specifics that we could go into, but, but just very you know, base level. It is preaching is God speaking from his word through a human being to other human beings, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's, uh, ultimately that, that the people of who I preach to every single week for the past, you know, going on nine years, that they're exposed to God from his word. So that, that, that's really, uh, kind of the nuts and bolts of, of what I would say. Good. Andrew, what about you? It's hard to add to that. Uh, I, I mean, I'm committed like Michael is to text driven or expository preaching. So my goal, uh, is the glory of God through the word of God, uh, proclaimed to the people of God and the power of the spirit of God. Um, we want to see people conform to the image of Christ. We want to see the gospel proclaimed. We want to see the text exposed and explained and applied to the people. There's so many great, um, definitions of preaching out there, whether it's, you know, truth through personality or, um, you know, what Michael has just said, a, a recent definition I read uh, from William Williman, who's a, a Methodist preacher, is that uh, preaching is speech commandeered by God. And I absolutely love that because that means even if I fail to reach my own aspirations for the preaching moment, God, in some sense, just takes the sermon and takes the text and does what he will with it. It's why we can preach what we would consider a great sermon and sit down at the end of it. And it, it just landed flat. And other days when we preach and we sit down and we just think what happened, that was awful. And someone comes up and they say, how did you know, uh, you know, what was going on in my life? That was the most powerful thing I've ever heard. My life was changed today. And it's like, well, God took the sermon and did something with it. And so in some sense, um, preaching is what we do as we are committed to, to uh, declare the truth of the text of scripture and, and preach the gospel of Christ. But in another sense, uh, preaching is something God does uh, using human instrumentality. And sometimes despite our best efforts, God can still make a good sermon of it. Amen. Yeah. I, uh, when, I, when I sit down at night, I always have to remind myself, you know, my goal was, what I, was I faithful 
to present the word of God so the people were conformed by the spirit of God. If I did that, then I feel like I was faithful and I was successful. If I can walk away and I go, man, I don't know about that. I don't know if I got this right. I can still have comfort and I can still be secure in knowing that the spirit of God was still at work, even in my, in my failures or in my weakness. And so uh, as long as we're landing on scripture, as long as we're pushing that through, that really is uh, what we desire people to hear. I tell our people all the time, I say, I don't want you to walk away and say, Aaron was a great preacher today. I want you to walk away and say, Jesus is a great savior. And uh, that's really the goal that we have at Graceview. And so let's talk a little bit about the incarnation. So that's what we're, it's Christmas time. Uh, we've been going through Advent at Graceview. Do you guys do Advent in your churches? Uh, some, Sorry, Michael, go ahead. Yeah. For the past eight years we have, for this uh, for this year, man, I, I, I've lost track of all uh, my preaching calendar and everything. Uh, we've had a few things happen, so uh, trying to, uh, recover on some of those things, but this year, no. Okay. Uh, I knew you had done it in the past. I wasn't sure. Yeah. 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 Andrew, is that something you guys uh, practice paramount? We, we encourage our families to use Advent, uh, particularly for family worship. So we typically put resources into their hands to do, to do things at home. Typically I don't disrupt my preaching schedule, uh, for Advent. So gotcha. I'm in the book of Hebrews right now. I will, by way of application, um, uh, talk about Christmas, talk about Advent, that kind of thing. But, but, uh, very rarely will I, you know, move out of the book that I'm preaching. Through. Cool. Yeah. We, uh, we're continuing through Ruth this season and, uh, just kind of using that as the, the launching point into, uh, into the days. So that's good. So we're talking about the, cause the thing I love about Advent, the reason I bring it up is because it causes us to look specifically at the incarnation. It causes us to slow down and say, okay, what, what, what happened when Jesus came? Uh, what, did, what did Jesus accomplish in his coming? And then what is he going to accomplish in his, in his second coming? So that's kind of why I love uh, dealing with Advent and reminding our people about it. But really the incarnation for me is the thing I try to drill down on often in um, Advent season because our people are thinking about it. But what about the other 48 weeks of the year? You know, do we just reserve the incarnation for Advent season? And I think sadly, we do. I think sadly, we just kind of go, we'll talk about the incarnation at Christmas time because that's when we talk about it. And very rarely do we talk about it any other times. When you guys are either working through texts or thinking through gospel presentations or thinking through uh, the theological implications of a text, how often does incarnational thought come up to where you think I can land here and I can dig this out for our people. Andrew, why don't you uh, kind of start the ball rolling for us? Well, for me, it depends on the text I'm preaching. So obviously if it flows from the text that I'm dealing with, that I'm going to talk about it really regardless of the season. Uh, so that may be March. It may be December. Uh, like I said, I may in uh, the Christmas season apply things a little bit more intentionally uh, to Advent or to Christmas, but um, you know, if we're dealing, for instance, I'm preaching through Hebrews right now and in Hebrews chapter two and chapter four, uh, which is speaking of the priesthood of Jesus, for instance, uh, the fact that he can sympathize with our weaknesses because he became our brother. Uh, well, obviously there's an incarnational theme there, mm -hmm. um, with a huge implication for our life as believers. Um, now I did 
happened to preach that at the end of November. So we're very close to Christmas. But if I had done that in April, um, that still would have been a, a, a point of teaching to talk about the importance of, of Jesus, the son of God, uh, becoming human, taking up flesh, identifying with our weaknesses so that he could be a sympathetic and faithful high priest to, uh, for us, uh, because he's, he understands experientially what it is like to be human. Yeah, that's good. Michael, what about you? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think about it in terms of, uh, if, if I may start off with some, some history and then kind of bring yeah, it up go for it. to our conversation. Um, you know, I, I'm a student of, of history of preaching and, and when you look at, let's say the, the transition, what we would say from the medieval period to, you know, reformational uh, type era, uh, there's, there's actually a transition in uh, the, the topics uh, of, of preaching. And so while uh, for the, you know, early, early centuries of the church, you have these specific feast and, and, and days, holy days that are recognized where of course you're going to have sermon on the incarnation, a nativity sermon, so forth and so on. Um, you, you get that, uh, through the medieval period with Roman Catholic preachers and so forth. Well, something takes place really within, uh, I would say probably the tradition that we come out of more of the, uh, the reform, the, the a reformed Puritan type of tradition where the emphasis is less upon incarnation and now more upon the uh, the doctrine of the atonement. And so I think uh, by and large, you know, our tradition of preaching, uh, which is expository preaching and, and so forth, um, just the, the, the hub of our tradition, we, we really don't have any models for preaching good uh, incarnational sermons. And I think what, what Andrew said is the best way to do it and that is, if the text is speaking to it, then you preach it. So regardless of if you're, uh, you know, if it's the end of November, like like you just said, Andrew, if you're at the end of November and you're in Hebrews chapter four uh, and, or Hebrews chapter two, Jesus has become one of us. He, he became man so he could taste, taste death uh, for all of us. Of course, you're going to preach uh, the incarnation from that. Same thing applies to the middle of, of July. If you're preaching Hebrews 2 in the middle of July, you're going to preach on the incarnation. And so I think part of it is our, our preaching tradition, uh, you know, a lot of it doesn't have, you know, your typical nativity sermons or your incarnational sermons. Right. But I think the best way to, 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 to do that is if the text is, is speaking to it, you preach it. And, uh, and so there's, there's some other, other elements there. I, I would say too, I know I'm taking a lot of time, but I would okay. say too, um, as maybe as Baptist, um, we really haven't had a full throated incarnational theology. Um, I think we see that now in kind of the, the larger, you know, struggle of, what's happening inside the Southern Baptist convention and outside the Southern Baptist convention um, and 
how, how do we articulate, uh, you know, faithfully, theologically and exegetically the incarnation? So I think part of that is some of the struggle as well. Oh, I think that's a really good point. So when we are thinking through texts, so you're preaching through Hebrews, you're preaching through John, you're preaching through whatever, and you come to one of these one of these texts where the incarnation is just there, and it's it's clear. We're not ripping it out of context. We're not say, making it say something that it's not. So we're all committed to that. You know, we shouldn't be trampling trampolining from our text, you know, we're not, we shouldn't be over in, you know, Deuteronomy and then be like, oh, let's go bam all the way over here. And it's talk about something that it's not talking about in Deuteronomy. We all, we all are, are solid in that. Uh, but let's just say we come to a text, incarnation is all over it. When you preach those truths, how do you think about getting those truths down to the street level, putting the cookie on the bottom shelf, if you will. Because honestly, I mean, God taking on flesh. I mean, just the, the concept is, the concept is we don't understand it fully. We can't grasp it fully. So how do you think through communicating that truth to your people so that they can at least grab a hold of something and not just go, oh, that's too deep theologically for me to even, even think about. Um, so why don't, uh, who, whose phone's ringing? Sorry, this Okay, line. Andrew, then you take this question first. <laughs> yeah, what, what a great question. Um, this, is, this is the church phone, by the way. So oh, okay. Sorry. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, <clears throat> so there are a couple different ways I could approach that. Um, you know, one would be just consistently explaining to the church the importance of the entirety of the the story of Jesus. So to, to what Michael was saying a moment ago, I do think that's a fair statement to say that, that uh, in our tradition of preaching, we do typically focus on the atoning work of Christ. Uh, but when you look at the gospels, for instance, I mean, it, it's the, the, the smallest portion of the gospels are, are devoted to dealing with the death and resurrection of Christ. The majority of the gospels have to do with his birth and life. And so we're talking about incarnation today. We could also, we could have a separate topic on the importance of the life of Christ, the yeah. active obedience of Christ. Uh, that's really important actually for our salvation and for the atonement. But, but we often just kind of skip straight to the cross um, in the way that we think about the gospel or we think about the life of Jesus. So I think there's something that we need to say here just to say every part of the story is important. By the way, that's true in the front end with incarnation and, and his life, but it's true in the back end as well. Oftentimes we stop at the resurrection without thinking about the ascension and the session of Christ mm -hmm. and the importance of that for our life. And I know that those are big words, but they have real applicable, meaningful, uh, uh, you, you know, there, there's relevance there to our life because Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He ever lives to make intercession for you. So that means that when you're tempted to look at porn, you can call out to Jesus and he will uh, intercede on your behalf to the Father to give you help when you need it, as Hebrews 4 says. So the whole story is important. And I think that we need to teach that to our church. Like every aspect of uh, the Jesus story matters. And then the impetus is on us as preachers to explain why that is the case. Mm -hmm. So taking the incarnation, I mean, yes, God in flesh is a, uh, that's a big one, right? That's, that's not an easy one to understand. It's like the Trinity. It's very difficult uh, to understand. I think that we should be comfortable with a little bit of mystery 
Um, if, if God can fully be understood and fully explained, then I would be suspicious that maybe I've carved him into my own image. Um, if we are dealing with an infinite being, then our finite minds should not be able to fully wrap themselves around who he is. So there should be some comfort level with us just saying, look, there's some mystery here. You know, we're not going to be able to fully understand everything about the incarnation. However, there are important implications for, for daily living as a believer. Um, and so I've got five that I just jotted down, uh, Aaron, after you invited us on. Uh, do you want me to talk about those right Go now? Go for it. Yeah, that's great. Okay. So I'll just run through these really quickly. Like these are five practical applications or implications of why the, the incarnation matters for us. Number one, redemption. Uh, redemption is impossible without the incarnation. So God, the son has to become man in order for men to become sons of God. Um, our redemption is not possible unless uh, God is incarnate. Number two, um, what, what you might, cons- you know, the, the word intercession, what I just referred to a moment ago from Hebrews chapter four, that Jesus is a great high priest who makes intercession for us and sympathizes with our weaknesses. How can he be sympathetic with us in our weaknesses and represent us to God? Well, it's because he was human. And so he understands experientially what we have gone through. Um, He knows our weaknesses and therefore he can represent us faithfully to the father. Uh, A third implication, the incarnation is important for uh, our understanding of the resurrection. Uh, I'm talking here future resurrection. If Christ came in flesh the first time, we can expect that he will come uh, bodily the second time, right? So if he comes uh, bodily the first time, he comes bodily the second time. Um, Fourth, it's important for our understanding of mission. If God the Son left heaven to take up residence on earth, then we must leave as as believers, we must leave our comfort, our safe places to take up residence within the world for the sake of the gospel. The incarnation models for us mission. And then fifth and finally, um, and I think this is particularly relevant right now, kind of in this COVID world that we live in. Um, I saw a very prominent megachurch uh, yesterday uh, talk about doing church in the metaverse. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw anything about that, but there's oh, this, yeah. right. We, we've had to, we've had to go with online services and, you know, you have the terminology of like virtual church and, and so on and so forth. And, and this is, this is really problematic in a hundred different ways. Again, probably another topic for another day, but yeah. I think the incarnation actually has a point of application at the level of realizing that our, our um, faith is embodied Mm-hmm. Um, so Christianity is not Platonic, you know, Platonism, that, that the, the implications of Platonism in the church uh, of the sense that like the physical is bad, that, um, you know, almost this escapist mentality, uh, we have a very fleshy faith. It is embodied. Um, the incarnation shows us that like God embraces human flesh. And one of the implications uh, for the church is that there's an embodied aspect to how we interact with, with one another. Um, virtual church is not the church. Yeah. Um, there is something unique about uh, flesh and blood in the flesh, face to face ministry 
prayer, uh, the, the practice of the ordinances, uh, fellowship, proclamation, all of those things, it is, it is, you know, it is one thing to look at a picture of the Grand Canyon uh, and maybe even have it as a screensaver on your computer. It's another thing to stand at, at, at the, uh, the edge of the Grand Canyon and behold it. Yeah. And while virtual church may have been a necessity um, for a short period of time, it is insufficient. And the incarnation even has a point of application for that. So that's a very long answer to a very short question. But I think that's part of our job as preachers is to show why this doctrine matters in practical terms. Yeah, no, that was great stuff. Uh, Michael, you got anything you want to add on that? Yeah, I, you know, just the, you know, I think about uh, Anselm. He, he asked the question, why did God become man? Well, God became man in order to save us. And so I think uh, as, as we think through the, um, uh, you know, preaching, incarnation, uh, we don't, the horrible analogy, you know, kind of a cliche analogy, we don't want to leave Jesus in the, in the manger. Uh, you know, our, the Christ that we worship is the incarnate word who died in the place of sinners. And so we want to be, I think we want to be faithful to uh, not only the text that we are preaching, um, and the, I think the best way that we can do that is if it is talking about the incarnation, tying that to, to the cross, resurrection, and, and his current session. And so I think the, um, you know, what Andrew said, the, the first point uh, is, is the primary point, and everything else kind of flows from that of God became man. He, the, the God, the Son, the eternal word uh, became embodied. Um, you know, Paul says that he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself a servant taking on uh, the flesh of, of man and he died, uh, you know, on the cross. And so I think the, um, you know, as, uh, as Dr. Andrew said, double doctor. Oh yeah. I forgot. You told us that you're not a double doctor, but nevertheless, we're going to call him that. Anyway. Uh, it, what's that? We're going to call him that anyway. There we go. Uh, it, it is, uh, ultimately taking incarnation, and then showing that incarnation is uh, is explicitly tied uh, to the cross, um, and so that that's what I would say. No, that's good. Yeah, and I, I think that this is a really important concept for our people in the pews, because you know when Jesus is speaking about you know come to me all who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. One of the reasons he can make that statement is because he understands where they're at. He understands the struggle that they're going through. He understands the burden that they're under. He understands that the, the weight of the law that is upon them. You know, when we have a great high priest who can sympathize with us, it, he can, we can say that, or he can say that because he was human. And if we don't allow our people to understand the humanity of Jesus as well as the divinity of Jesus, we are making him into a superhero instead of what he truly is, the, the, the embodied th son of God. And we have to be able to say, 
that this is who he is on both sides of the 100%, you know, that he is all God and all man. And I love the fact that the incarnation allows us to be able to expose both of those in different ways than even the doctrine of atonement does. And I preach the atonement a lot. In fact, this Sunday I'm preaching the, the atonement deeply. Uh, but I still, when the time comes up, I need to preach the incarnation as deep as I preach that as well. Because as Andrew said, or Michael, one of you, it, it's all tied together. It's it, Even though we have these categories, um, it's all tied together, and our people need to understand that. And so uh, we're running up against the clock now, but what resource could you recommend uh, for people to be able to read about the incarnation that you might think, man, this is really good. I'll give you a chance to think real quick because I did not tell you that I was going to throw that one to you. Um, but for me, um, I, I recommend um, Salvation Accomplished by the Son by Peterson. It is a, a, a biblical theology of Christ, and um, it has an entire biblical theology section on the incarnation. And if you're looking for something to have in your library, it's a little bit thicker, but it's an easy it's an easy read. It's in sections. You don't have to read it cover to cover. You can kind of use it as a resource. But that is something that I would say for people, if you want to see the importance of the incarnation from Genesis to Revelation, that is a really good resource for you to kind of to grab a hold of. And it has some of the other categories that that Andrew uh, mentioned earlier. Uh, Michael, you got a you got a resource that you could recommend to the people? Uh quickly, so um, Athanasius on the incarnation. I mean, that's classic. Uh, Anselm, why did God become man? Uh, medieval theologian. And then uh, there's, uh, it's, it's weighty, but Calvin in the Institutes uh, talks about incarnation and showing how incarnation is uh, overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly important to the three offices of Christ. So prophet, priest, and king. And so I, I would say uh, those, those three. Good. Andrew, you got anything? Yeah, I was going to recommend Anselm. Uh, why did God become man? Um, the, the other one I might mention, this is a, a fairly, uh, short read, but dogmatics in outline by Carl Bart. He takes the apostles creed phrase by phrase and uh, just does a little brief explanation of e each phrase. It's fairly accessible, uh, fairly easy to follow, and uh, he does have a section there on the incarnation that's, that's, that's really solid. Good. So hopefully if you're looking for uh, more more resources to study this on your own, you'll be able to check those out. And of course, you know, Cooper would throw out institutes. As soon as you said it, I was just like, that a boy, way to go. You, it's it, Anytime there's a resource, institutes is always the right answer. It's like Jesus in a Sunday school class. Institutes is always the right answer when you're looking for a resource. All right. Well, guys, thanks for uh, thanks for jumping on. I know we could spend another 30 minutes easy talking through this, but uh, we're up against the clock today, and uh, maybe we can schedule something for 2022, and we can come back on and maybe talk about the life of Christ, as, uh, as Andrew talked about in preaching um, in that session. But guys, thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh, sacrificing your time to, to join me today. This was a lot of fun. It's good to see you guys face to face, even though it's a, even though it's a time of virtual. Uh, so, all right. Well, we are finished for today. Uh, again, if you are in the Burleson, Joshua, Alvarado area and are looking for a church, we would love to have you join us at Graceview Baptist Church on Sundays at 9 and at 1030. Um, we just walk verse by verse through books of the Bible. We are currently in the book of Ruth. We're going to be closing that out on Christmas Eve. We would love to have you join us on Christmas Eve at either 3.30 or 5 o'clock. Thanks for listening to this podcast today, and hopefully God used it in your life. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.